0: you are listening to Press Church Podcast. Please enjoy this week's message. The title of my sermon is, I had a bad day again. I had a bad day again. It is already 11 o'clock. We've got 12 minutes to roll through this. Praise God. Bad days happen to all humans at some point. We know that. You might have had a bad day this week. You might be sitting here already knowing that there's potential on Monday morning that you're going to have a bad day when you go back into the office because you already saw the emails over the weekend. You already got the text from the boss. You have already know that when you get home, there's been contention in the household or something going on. That you're leaving here, potentially walking back into a bad situation. That we've all had a bad situation. We understand that we live in a fallen world. The scripture says it rains on the just and the unjust. Bad things happen to good people. But we live in a fallen world and sometimes, some days, it feels like that world has fallen in on us. We get frustrated, we get tired, we get angry. The devil still has Control over this earth. He took it away. He took the authority away when Adam and Eve sinned. Jesus showed up, took that authority back, and those who believe on Jesus, then Jesus freely gives that authority to those individual people to then go out and conquer and have victory and not allow the devil to attack them. It's a beautiful perk and benefit of being in the kingdom of God that I can say to that mountain, move. I can tell that devil to be resisted and he must flee. I can tell that sickness and disease to leave. I've been given the authority. You've been given the authority. But we have bad days on this thing. But God has provided a way to help us through those moment. So today I want to help provide some truths from a story in the Gospels to help you the next time. Specifically, you have a bad day at work, but this can apply to any bad day. I know I've got some stay-at-home moms. I know I've got some retirees here. I know I've got some people that aren't just always going to the office. I work remote, so if I have a bad day at home and at work, it's all at the same place. But I want to help you today not have a bad day again. Luke chapter 5, Is the story we're gonna be in, Luke chapter 5. We're gonna read 1 through 11 throughout the series, throughout the sermon, but uh, we're gonna start in verses 1 and 2. Luke chapter 5, starting in verse 1 So it was as the multitude pressed about him, him being Jesus, to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Geneserat. It's also a part of the Sea of Galilee, a very fruitful area. And Jesus is walking and he's talking with people and they're pushing on him. And verse 2 says, And Jesus saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. There appears to be two different stories that are about to collide into each other. Jesus is being followed by these, this group of people who want to hear him preach, who, who want to hear him teach, who want to hear what he has to say, and they're pushing him as he's getting closer and closer from the shore toward the water, and he sees another story, another life, another situation going on, and he just interjects himself into it, and he says there are two boats, but they're empty, and that there are fishermen who are cleaning their nets... And it seems, and it appears that these, and we'll see throughout the rest of the story, that the fishermen are finishing a bad day at work. Peter's going to talk about it later on in the story, saying that they fished all night and caught nothing. They put in a full eight hours at work, and there was no success in their job. They waited tables for an eight-hour shift, and they didn't get one tip from anybody. They worked a full eight hours doing cold calls, knocking on doors, and they didn't make one sale. And what they're doing is they're cleaning out their nets, they're finishing up their day, they're writing the last email, they're getting all of the junk out of the nets. They didn't catch any fish, so what they're cleaning out is the seaweed, is the jellyfish, I don't know if jellyfish are in there, I doubt they are, but all the unnecessary, all the trash All the straws from Starbucks that you threw into the water. They're cleaning out their nets. And every time they're cleaning out their nets, they're getting more and more frustrated because it's reminding them that they made no money. They didn't get any food. They fished all night, and they're cleaning this all up, and they're going to have to do it again, and they're frustrated, and they're tired. Does that sound like anybody at work sometimes? And it says in Luke Chapter 5, going to verse 3. Then he, Jesus, got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitude from the boat. Now, this is probably the most annoying thing. If you've ever worked in a restaurant, is when you're closing the doors and you're getting done and you're, you're, you're rolling your silverware, you're cleaning off your section, you're flipping the tables, you're taking off the tablecloths and the hostess decides to sit that last person. We close at 10 and they walked in at 10.05 and you're bringing them to my section. At the end of the day, that last email that shows up from your boss and says, hey, can you give me that spreadsheet? You're like, oh, the one I just deleted, the one I didn't finish, the one I was planning on working on tomorrow. I need it for a presentation. I need you to send it to me. You get that last phone call that you know is not going to lead anywhere in regards to making a sale or whatever. They just want to talk. They just want to follow up. And Jesus shows up in the middle of this story, in the middle of this frustration at closing time. And he just steps into the boat, steps into the restaurant, steps into the office. He says, hey, Peter, what are you doing? Can you push me out into the lake? The very lake that he's been on all night, that he's frustrated about, that he hates, that he doesn't want to be a part of because it's empty, because he doesn't have any money. He's probably hungry because he didn't catch any fish. He's tired and weary from cleaning the nets. And Jesus says, hey, can you just push out? He's like, okay. So he pushes out. And what is Peter thinking at this time? Well, what's he going to do next? And it says here in verse 3 that Jesus decided to sit down and start teaching the multitude from the boat. Boy, I bet you Peter was happy then. Oh, well, this will be a fast thing. Jesus will just wrap up the sermon. He'll take an offering. It's already 11 o'clock. We usually end around 1115. So this will be a quick sermon, right? We'll get done with this real fast. And then Jesus says, well, all right, Genesis 1 is about me. We're going to finish in Revelations. And Peter's probably looking at his sundial when Jesus is around Leviticus, and he's like, oh, my goodness, we're in the laws. There's like 300, 400 laws, and we're on law three. We know in the scriptures that Peter is married because Jesus healed his mother-in-law. He's like, my wife is going to wonder where I'm at. She probably thinks I'm cheating on her. She, she, she doesn't trust me already. I'm trying to get home. I'm trying to provide for the family. If he's got kids, he's got all these things that he's worried about, frustrated about. And Jesus is just there in the middle of the situation. And he's just preaching and teaching the word of God. And it says that he finished talking with everybody. He dismisses everybody. And in verse 4, it says, when he had stopped speaking... He said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. I wrote here, Jesus doesn't seem to notice or even care about the fishermen clocking in and clocking out and going home. Not only does Jesus use their equipment, but also makes Peter wait while he preaches. But I believe while he was preaching, something happened to Peter as he's listening to the word of God. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing through the word of God. It's alive, it's breathing, it's active, it's speaking to him. Jesus gets done talking to everybody else, and then he looks at Peter. He says, why don't you launch out into the deep, cast your nets. They'd already cleaned the nets. They'd already put up the nets. They'd already shut down for the night or the day, because they'd been fishing all night. He'd already fished the deep parts. As a fisherman at that time, he didn't have all the radar equipment that we had now, but I guarantee you he knew every part of that lake. He knew where the fish were. He knew where the fish weren't. He knew what time of day to go fish, and I guarantee you that this wasn't the right time to go fishing, especially if there was a whole bunch of people on the seashore making noise with babies and people yelling and hooping and hollering and talking and gasping and awing at what Jesus is saying, and now they're all getting up and leaving, it is not the right time to have an interaction with Jesus. It's not the right time in my life, in my moment of work. I'm frustrated. I'm tired. I'm angry. I don't have time to do all this. And Jesus, out of left field, says, hey, let's go do something that you in your own power already failed at a couple of hours ago. Luke chapter 5, verse 5. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. But boy, this is important. Nevertheless, at your word, I'll let down the net. The first truth we're going to pull out of this story to help you not have a bad day at work is to respond and react to Jesus. Respond and react to Jesus. Jesus says, let's go out into the deep and cast the nets. And Peter could have not said anything and just rowed the boat back to the shore and said, please get out. Please don't talk to me. You've wasted my time. I'm going to have a fight with my wife. I'm going to have to go and figure out. McDonald's is already closed. There's no food to pick up. There's nothing going to be left for me. My plate's probably going to be cold cold if she cooked me anything. I've got to be out here again tomorrow night in a couple of hours he could have just totally ignored Jesus and told him to go. He could have just whined about it like he started to, but he decided to respond and react. You see, people do all of those things. For the most part, when we're having a bad day or having a bad day at work, the Holy Spirit is inside of us and he's speaking to us and he's, he's encouraging us and he's trying to help us come through that bad day and he says something to us, and usually it's a crazy thought. Go take a walk. Quit talking to that person. Don't respond to that text right now. Don't do this. Go do this. And so many people, their first thing is they don't respond to that at all. Nope. Not going to do it. Don't want to talk to you, God. Don't want to have a moment. This is my pity party, and I'm blowing up the balloons right now, the cake is in the oven, and we are about to have the best pity party at this bad day that we could possibly have. God, you're not going to ruin this moment. Some people don't even respond when Jesus speaks. Another thing that people do is what Peter started to do, complain or explain the situation to God. Like he doesn't already know what's going on. That's why he's here. That's why he's interjecting. That's why he's talking to you. We fished all night, and we caught nothing. How many of that is our prayers, if we're being honest, when we've prayed has just been a complaint session? God, where were you? What were you doing? I've been doing this all by myself I've been struggling. I've been getting these emails. My boss has been chewing me up and spitting me out every day. That person across the desk has been annoying me. Those salespeople have been doing Where were you? All I've been doing is working and working and working, and I've seen no fruit. So many people just, they might respond to God, but they respond in complaining, trying to explain the situation to God like he doesn't already know. But if he's there, he knows the situation. If he's there, he's trying to change the situation. And after Jesus gets done, seemingly totally ignoring the fishermen and just using them, he interjects himself in the middle of that bad day. And he interjects himself there to change it, to completely bring Peter out of it. In Luke chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus is speaking, and it says, but he said, more than that, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. The original text, another word of there is also obey it. Blessed are those who hear the word of God that we react and respond that when Jesus speaks, instead of pushing him away and saying, no, 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 I'm going to have this bad day and I'm going to see it out to the fullest so that I can complain about it to you later tonight when everything else is falling apart. But in the middle of the bad day, Jesus wants to show up and he wants you to re- react to what he's saying and then respond to it. Blessed are those there's a blessing attached, not just when you hear God speak, but you also obey in what he says. In James 1, 22, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. The only person that's going to lose when you don't listen and obey God's word is yourself. God is trying to talk to you. God is trying to help you. God is trying to pull you from glory to glory. He's trying to pull you up higher. He's trying to bring you in deeper into the relationship with him. And he's saying, not just being a hearer, but you also need to be a doer of what he's telling you to do. Don't send that email. Don't send that text. Don't call your spouse right now. Don't do this. Don't do this. Do that. That we hear it and we respond. That Peter heard what Jesus had to say and he responded. In Luke chapter 5, verse 6, and when they had done this, when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, so much that their nets was breaking. Well, now all of a sudden, Peter, Jesus showing up when they were cleaning their nets makes it for a whole nother thing. What he didn't know is he thought he was cleaning his nets from defeat, but he was cleaning his nets for victory on the other side. He didn't know that. He's sitting there, I got to clean this. and I can't believe this day. We've done this. Nothing's happened. Nothing's that. But what he didn't know, that Jesus showed up just at the right time when the nets were clean because there was a miracle on the other side. It doesn't say that the fish started jumping in the boat when Peter said, Nevertheless, I'll do it. I'll do what you say. The the scripture does not say that that's when it started happening. It's whenever he reacted and responded. As soon as he responded by throwing the nets in, doing what Jesus told him to do, not just a lip service. Yeah, I know the scriptures. Yeah, I know I'm supposed to forgive them. Yeah, I know I'm supposed to love them. Yeah, I know I'm supposed to do this. Yeah, I know I'm not supposed to do that. Yeah, 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 I know all that. No, no, it's when you know it, but you also do it. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So he said it, then he did it, then the miracle showed up, and all of a sudden, his bad day went to a miraculous day. When they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. The next truth we're going to pull out of this is to think about and help others. Think about and help others. In Luke chapter 5, going into verse 7, the next scripture, so they, Peter and whoever else was on the boat with Jesus, signaled to their partners in the other boats to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats, not just their own boat, but somebody else's boat, so much that their boats began to sink. And then verse 8, when Simon Peter saw it, he could have kept helping, but he got overcome. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' feet. Kneeling down saying, depart from me for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Of course there's a reaction of instant worship when the miracle happens. Think about and help others. Peter looked outside of himself in this problem and started giving, sharing the blessing and the miracle that Jesus gave him. Jesus helped him and his response was to involve others to receive experience what Jesus had to offer. That In the middle of his bad day, in the middle of his frustration, he said, all right, Jesus, I hear you. Not only do I hear what you're saying, but I'm also going to do it. It might be uncomfortable. It might be something that I've done before, and I thought I was doing it on my own power, but now that you're telling me to do it, I'm going to do it. I'm going to step out in faith, and I'm going to do it. I'm going to obey. I'm going to believe. I'm going to receive, and here I go. And as soon as that happened, the miracle showed up. And then his next response was, this is such an overwhelming blessing, I've got to give to somebody else. Bring your boat, and let's fill your boat. And there was enough miracle, like Alyssa was saying with the river, there was enough miracle that it overflowed Peter's boat so much more that it was overflowing his friend's boat as well. So many people also want to hoard Jesus to say, well, I just want to receive my healing, or I just want to receive my blessing and my miracle, And I want, to, but that's not how Christianity works. Amen. The blessing of Abraham that came upon him was for him to be blessed and to be a blessing to others. So much more that when God ministers and helps you, then it's your turn to open up your hands and help others. And Peter, seeing that the blessing is overcoming him, he sees the other boats. He says, y'all come help me. And it overflows their boats as well. And then their response to that was worship. Thank you, God. All of a sudden, their bad day is by the wayside, and all they can do is thank God for the miracle. Thank God. We didn't have any money. We didn't have any food. We didn't have any fish. And we've caught more here than we would have caught. If you give me the liberty to kind of step a little bit more outside of the Bible, it doesn't say it in the Bible. But I bet you that they didn't go out fishing the next night because they caught so much fish, that Peter was then able to rest and recover after that. That God not only just helped him in that day, in that moment, give us your daily bread, but he helped him over the next couple days to help them recover from their loss of fishing the day, that he could sleep in, that he could rest, that he could spend time with his family and he doesn't have to stress. He doesn't have to toil. Am I going to make enough money? Am I going to be able to pay the bills? No, no, no. He brought in so much fish that it helps sustain him going forward for an exterior period of time. In Philippians chapter two, verse four, we have got to land this plane. Here we go. Philippians chapter two, verse four. Let each of you look out not only for your own interest but also for the interest of others. Hebrews thirteen sixteen. But do not forget to do good and to share. I feel like God's, this is what I tell my kids. For with such sacrifice, God is well pleased. Don't forget to do good. We get so busy and so caught up in ourselves and our frustration. We get so angry that the people next to us, our coworkers, aren't doing their jobs. Our family isn't pulling the weight that they need. I'm doing everything that we forget about others. And let's not forget to do good and to share and to help and to encourage and to love. Because when we do that, it says that God is well-pleased. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. But it also says here that we can please God when we do good and we share with others. For those who know or don't know, uh, recently the Mega Millions uh, jackpot was very, very big, like 1.3 billion dollars. Everybody was buying tickets. I didn't. I guess I should have. But there was one ticket that supposedly was bought and won yesterday that hasn't been claimed yet. person might not know that they're sitting on $1.3 billion. <laughs> that is, that's a bad day. <laughs> that's a bad day if you lost that ticket. But there was an interesting story that came out this week. There's a restaurant, I don't know if you've heard of it, maybe you have, but it's a, it's a fast food restaurant that was birthed out of the LSU campus uh, called Raisin Cane's. And all they do is sell chicken fingers. Chicken fingers, fries, and toast, amazing sweet tea, amazing lemonade. Uh, the CEO, the owner, the creator of chicken, of Raisin Cane's, uh, came up with this business plan in a business class and he presented it to uh, the group or to the class as a business idea in this business class of all we're going to do is sell chicken strips, fries, toast, and coleslaw. That's it. We're not going to change our menu, and we're going to shell it out as quick as we can. And he failed the class because the business teacher said that would never work. He said, all right, well, I'm going to go do that. He raised money. His story is fascinating. The Todd Graves, I believe, is his name. And he opened up his first Raisin Cane's right on the LSU campus. (laughs) So he decided this week that he was going to try and win the lottery, the Mega Millions. But he was going to try and win it for all of his coworkers. Currently, he has 50,000 employees over however many stores that he has, and it's $2 a ticket for these mega millions. And so he decided that he was going to buy a ticket for every one of his coworkers. And he spent $100,000 to buy 50,000 tickets. And he says, if we win in those 50,000 tickets, then I will divide that money up among my 50,000 workers and I'll give you all a piece. At the time, it was like eight, 900 million, and it was going to be like thirteen to 15,000 dollars a person if he did it right. And he said it was interesting that he had to go to four different banks to withdraw 100,000 dollars, and he had to go to two different 7/elevens with 100,000 dollars in Dallas, Texas to get them to print out 50,000 tickets. He said it was a little nerve-wracking to do all that. Well, the night went on, and they didn't win. Obviously, there's only one ticket. But before that one ticket was sold and they lost the first night, a day or two later, he said, You know what? Let's do it again. And so this CEO of a major restaurant company decided to spend $200,000 on his 50,000 employees for the opportunity to potentially help them win. Now, the media came back at him, and they said, well, you should have just given all the coworkers that $200,000 that you spent, which equaled to 2 to $4 each employee. So I don't think that's the wisest thing. Let me bless you with $4, or if we win, we could all win $15,000 apiece. But we have to learn to think about and help others. That this CEO decided to have some fun and to help out his coworkers. By making these huge purchases, and he, divided, he decided to involve everybody. Do you know how much that unified the company on those two nights? We were all in this together. I'm proud to be a Raisin Cane's employee those nights as we are ready for those numbers to roll. Make sure that my employee number is in that thing. That we have been blessed with something way more than $1.3 billion. Although that is a lot of money, God has blessed us. With eternal life. God has blessed us with the opportunity to be in his family. God has blessed us with the opportunity to be blessed and be a blessing. That we don't just take Jesus and it's just me and Jesus and I'm gonna go hang out until I die and see him in heaven. I want you to know that when you go to heaven, it's not just gonna be you and Jesus, there's gonna be a lot of people there. I don't know how that works. I'd like my time with Jesus just as much as you would. And they got to figure it out. Hopefully there's not waiting lines in heaven like at an amusement park. There's got to be something better. God's got to have a better plan than a Disney waiting line to go meet and greet Jesus. But we learn to help others, just like Peter did as he sees the blessing coming into his life, and he gets out of his bad day by helping others. And the last truth I have, and I'm finishing with this, let go and let God. Let go and let God. I'm closing my Bible so y'all think I'm done. Verse 9 says, For he, this being Peter, and all who were with him were astonished, I bet they were, at the catch of fish which they had taken. Verse 10 And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. In verse, uh, oh, and Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. And here's verse 11, finishing the story, wrapping it up. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. They let go and let God. Now, this might be a word from God, but I'm not pushing it to each and every one of you. This is not a word from God telling you to quit your job just because you had a bad day. It might be, but for the most part, this is, I'm not telling you to quit your job. But they forsook all and followed him. They decided that they were going to let go and let God. They'd had so many bad fishing days, and they were with one man who was one for one. Their stats in regards to fishing days and winning and fishing days and losing was probably 50-50 or whatever. But they met a man who fished one time and brought in more fish than they'd ever seen because it says these fishermen were astonished at the amount of fish. How many fish had they seen as they had thrown into their boat time and time again? Their dads were fishermen. They grew up fishermen. And they said that they were astonished at how much fish came out of that lake and into their boats that they had never seen before. And they said, I've got to follow that man because if he can do that, One day with one fish, I can't wait to see what he does going forward. And Jesus says, I'm going to change your whole mindset. It's not just about the job. It's not just about the finances, but it's about the people. And as good as you were as fishermen, you weren't that great, I'm going to make you even better at being a fisher of men. You've got to learn to let go and let God. Isaiah 26, verse 3. God says, God will keep you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts, because I trust in you. I might have a bad day today, but I'm not going to have a bad day tomorrow. You're going to help me. We're going to overcome this. We're going to figure this out. And even if there are these things in the world trying to fall on me, I'm not going to let it crush me because I've got the chief cornerstone that I'm standing on. You've probably heard this story and this illustration before. Uh, but there's an old wives' tale, and, and they use it where they are monkeys. But how do you catch a monkey? What people have done in the past is they dig a hole in the ground, and in a jar or of some sort, they'll put a banana or a piece of fruit at the bottom of that jar with a very narrow neck. And the monkey will come along, he'll smell the fruit, he'll see the banana or whatever, and he'll put his hand enough for it to fit in that jar, and he'll grab onto the banana. And he'll hold on trying to get that banana out. And he can't because the fruit's too big for the hole. And he'll shriek and he'll yell as he's trying to get that fruit out. He's trying to do the best that he can. And all the hunter has to do is walk up to the monkey, grab the monkey, and bonk him on the head. And he's called him a monkey because the monkey won't let go of that piece of fruit. He sees the enemy coming. He sees the trap. He's doing whatever, but he wants it so bad That he won't let go of it and the hunter can just grab him and take him, kill him. Some of us even now are just like that monkey. We're holding on to something that we think is beneficial, we think is helpful, we think it's going to save our lives, we think it's going to fix us and the enemy has set that as a trap. And you're yelling and you're shrieking and you're doing all these things. And all you have to do, the only thing the monkey has to do to escape is let go of the banana. And his hand comes out of the jar and he can run into the forest. He can run into the jungle and be free. But because he's so controlled and he's so focused on getting that one thing, that the enemy just swoops in and attacks him. And some of y'all today need to be like that monkey and you need to let go. You need to let go of it. You need to forgive, you need to do whatever you need to do. The Holy Spirit now is, I believe, speaking to you, reminding you when you lay on your bed tonight, he's going to be talking with you and dealing with you. There's something in your life that you're holding on to that you were never supposed to hold on to. And you're shrieking and you're screaming and you're yelling and you're frustrated and you're angry and God is saying, let go and be free. And as soon as you let go of whatever that is, the enemy will quit attacking And you'll be able to run away from whatever it is. got to let go and you got to let God. They were astonished at what he did. And they said, whatever you're doing, I want to be a part of that. And I'll let go of whatever I've been holding on to, whatever I've been frustrated about, about this bad day, and I'll follow you. And he says, well, come on. They let go of everything. And we see the journey that Peter, James, and John went on after that. No longer were they in the boat. They're at the top of the mountain. And they're seeing Jesus transfigured. They're speaking and teaching all over the known world at the time. And now it says that the disciples in Revelations, their names are etched on the foundations of heaven. These fishermen who had one bad day but had an encounter with God now are forever etched in the histories of the eternity of heaven. We've got to respond and react to what Jesus says. We've got to think about and help others. And today, now more than ever, we've got to let go and let God. Amen you'll never have a bad day again. Let's stand up as we get ready to head out. Father, I thank you for this amazing service. I thank you for this amazing time in your presence. Father, I thank you that he that the sun sets free is free indeed. And today, we are free from sickness. We are free from disease in the name of Jesus. Father, there are people here who need to let go and let God. And thank you, Holy Spirit, that even now, you're reminding them, you're speaking to them of something in their lives that they need to let go of. That they need to release so that the enemy quits attacking. They think that they're having a bad day over and over and over again, but what they need for that bad day to end is to let go of some things. Let go of bitterness, let go of envy, let go of angry, let go of the things right now, Holy Spirit, that you're speaking to them, that they say, God, I release it and I let it go. I let go and I let God. Father, we choose to hear your voice, but not only hear it, but respond to it, that what you tell us to do in the middle of our worst days, we'll listen and we'll obey. And Father, instead of looking inwardly, instead of having the pity party inwardly, we look out to who we can help, that we just don't worry about uh, our own interest, but we also look out for the interest of others, to help and encourage and bless somebody else so that they don't have a bad day as well. Father, I thank you for these people. I thank you that they're blessed and highly favored. I thank you that no weapon formed against them shall prosper. I thank you that by Jesus' stripes they are already healed. I thank you that they have the mind of Christ and everything they put their hands to prospers. Father, I thank you that we are the salt and light of the earth, a city set on a hill that refuses to be hidden. And this week we will go out and we will share the gospel message with someone who hasn't heard it yet and we'll invite them to church as well. Father, I thank you for these people. Bless them, protect them, cause them to prosper in everything they do and bring them back safely next Sunday in Jesus name. Amen. Thank you for your time. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you next Sunday. Take care family. Thank you for listening to Press Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us or are interested in giving to our ministry, you can click the link in our bio or visit presschurch.org. Don't forget to follow us on social media at PressChurchSC and have a great week.